0: Well, good morning, Skillman family. Today we are wrapping up our series on hope and justice in the book of Isaiah, which if I'm being honest is a little bit bittersweet for me because the book of Isaiah is so rich and it's so beautiful in the ways that it describes God's vision for humanity. It describes a vision for humanity that is restored to right relationship with God and where idolatry and sin are completely cast out of our lives.
1: It's also a vision
0: of what is to come when the people of Israel, the church, now begin to live and to act with justice and compassion toward each other and toward our neighbors. It contains a vision of the heavens and the earth that is reformed and reshaped by the events and actions of a group of people who are so clearly putting their faith and hope in God that throughout all of history, the world will be changed forever from that moment forward. The book of Isaiah is such a beautifully written book, and Isaiah's prophecies point toward a future that we begin to see come to their completion in the person of Jesus. And and now, through the actions of the church, we're asked to carry forward what was begun in Christ. So I'm sad that we're going to conclude this series today. Uh, But uh, I also know that we could stay here forever and ever because this is kind of a lengthy uh, lengthy book. So if we chose to, we could stay here. Uh, But I know that there are good things on the horizon as well. Next week, we're going to be starting a new sermon series. Uh, that will uh, conclude our season of the year called Advocating Hope. And this sermon series is going to be looking at ideas about God's kingdom coming on earth and how the church can live in and how Christians can be a part of that reality as faithful followers of Jesus right now today. So I invite you to tune back in with us over the next couple of weeks as we finish out this great season that we've been in for the past couple of months, Advocate Hope. But today, once more, let's turn our attention to the book of Isaiah and allow God to speak to us through the words, in Isaiah. Hear these words from Isaiah chapter 42 beginning in verse 1. But here is my servant, the one I uphold, my chosen, who brings me delight. I've put my spirit upon him, he will bring justice to the nations. He won't cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in public. He won't break a bruised reed, he won't extinguish a faint wick, but he will surely bring justice. He won't be extinguished or broken until he has established justice in the land. The coastlands await his teaching. God the Lord says, the one who created the heavens, the one who stretched them out, the one who spread out the earth and its offspring, the one who gave breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you for a good reason. I will grasp your hand and guard you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations to open blind eyes, to lead the prisoners from prison and those who sit in darkness from the dungeon. I am the Lord. That is my name. I don't hand out my glory to others or my praise to idols. The things announced in the past, look, they've already happened, but I'm declaring new things before they even appear. I tell you about them. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the ends of the earth. You who sail the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their residents. Let the desert and its towns shout aloud, the villages that Kadar inhabits. Let the cliff dwellers sing from the top of the mountains, let them shout. Let them give the Lord glory and declare God's praise in the coastlands. The Lord will go out like a soldier, like a warrior, God will stir up rage. God will shout, will roar over enemies, he will prevail. Now, at its core, this is a passage that is drenched with the weight of hope. God will bring justice. God is a God of justice who, who brings justice to the nations, justice throughout all of the lands, justice for the blind and for the prisoners. And even more than that, God is declaring new things. I mean, think about the creation accounts that, that we read about in Genesis 1 and 2. In those stories, God speaks, and what he speaks comes forth. And here in Isaiah, God is speaking a new word and new things will appear. Isaiah is describing a recreation moment. That the old way of doing things, the way that the people fell into worshiping other gods and of taking advantage of the poor and the marginalized, that way of being and living in the world is going to pass away. And something new will take its place. Paul picks up this theme when he writes to the Corinthian church, uh, who, by the way, have a lot of similarities with the people of Israel that Isaiah was preaching to. But Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. Recreation is inherently hopeful. But don't be mistaken either, because for recreation to happen, there must first be a death or at least a passing away of the old order of things. Both Isaiah and Paul write about this, and they write about what what has happened, what has already happened. The old has passed away, says Paul. There's a turning point uh, that this way of life requires that turning point, that where the new way of living comes in and it replaces the old and something has changed, something is different. Isaiah closes this section of text by saying that God will prevail over our enemies, over the enemies of sin, death, injustice, greed, idolatry, disease, pride, sexism, racism, nationalism, any other kind of ism you can think of, and all the principalities and powers that have a foothold in this world. And look, I don't just mention these things because they're they're buzzwords or because it's popular right now to be against these kinds of things. I say them because this is what God's vision of a restored and recreated world looks like. And this is what it has always looked like. Isaiah prophesied and he preached to a people who had forgotten that God is a God of both mercy and justice. God has always been a God of both mercy and justice. And what God desires from the people who are covenanted to him as we are in baptism, is to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received through Jesus. A calling that pronounced good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, and liberation for the oppressed, so that we might proclaim the year of the Lord's favor upon all of creation. Isaiah prophesies that there will be a turning point, that God will go to battle against these enemies, and that rather than being subject to them, God will win a decisive victory over them, on our behalf. And just as the New Testament authors pick up on Isaiah's vision of a world remade, they also pick up on the vision of the one who will help to remake it. You see, the first four verses point to a servant who will come, bringing justice and instruction or teaching to the people. And perhaps if you're like me, your mind begins to wonder uh, all throughout Scripture, imagining who could this servant possibly be? And of course, as with so much Of scripture, it seems to have multiple references that all build upon one another to help us understand the fullness of the image that Isaiah is presenting us with. I mean, the first person that you might turn to, uh, you may turn and think about the person of Moses, because Moses kind of fits the bill in Israel's past. Moses came to bring justice for God's people who were being treated harshly by the Egyptians because they had subjugated them to slavery. And of course, Moses is also the intermediary who brings the Torah, the instruction to the people of Israel. At Mount Sinai. We might also think of Isaiah's immediate context. And here, Isaiah's calling of all of the people of Israel to once again take up the covenantal relationship with God that their ancestors had once made and to live in it anew. And so this might be referencing the entire nation of Israel, all the people, because they would then be responsible for living justly and bringing justice while sharing and leading the people to the will of God that we can see in the Torah. And of course, last, we might look to the New Testament and we might see this servant figure personified in Jesus of Nazareth. Paul says in the next verse of that passage that we read a moment ago, all of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because Jesus fits the mold of the servant, the one who brings justice and reconciliation. It's Jesus, the one who brought justice to those whom he healed and served in his life, as well as who brought justice to the entire cosmos by giving his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom, an atonement, as a symbol of victory over sin, as an anticipation of what is still yet to come in God's kingdom as it continues to come on earth as it is in heaven. It was Jesus, the one who didn't ignore or discard the law, but who taught us that the fullest expression of it was to love God and to love our neighbor, that behind all of these instructions is the very heart of God. It was Jesus, the one who brings justice to each and every one of us and who, taught, who teaches us a way to live and be in the world that, that truly is able to love God and love our neighbors. And the beauty of the prophets is, of course, that all three of these possibilities are, tr- are true. They're correct. Moses, the people of Israel, and Jesus. The prophets, they don't want us to ignore the range of possibilities. They want us to understand how what God has always been doing is still what God is doing, and how that will continue to be what God is doing into the future. This is an example of how God continues to work throughout all the pages of Scripture. That that the words in Scripture, that the stories found there are living just as our God is. And that the revelations and understandings that we have from Scripture from one point to the next, from one story to the next, are from God and continue to be from God because God enjoys it when we continue to learn and continue to understand more about who he is. So who is this servant that Isaiah prophesied about? Well, of course, it's Moses, and yes, of course, it's the people, and of course, it's Jesus, too. All three of these fit the bill, and they all help us to understand something about what God is doing. And in fact, it doesn't end there, because it is also the work of the church to be this servant now, today. You see, the the nature of the relationship of the people of Israel with God and, and today of the church with God begs for mission. It begs for purpose. The covenant relationship between God and God's people is so closely interwoven that the mission of God, the very heart of God, becomes the mission of God's people. And God is at work. God has always been at work to bring a good creation back into relationship with that God. The mission of God's people is a natural outpouring of who God is. That God, as a three in one, is nothing but love expressed in all ways, and that love desires a subject with whom to share that love. And so creation came forth from the very being of God. But but God won't coerce or dominate that which God loves, and so God allows us to choose covenant or not. And of course, God's love can be denied, and once covenant is chosen, there is no turning back. There is only a turning to God and to God's ever perfect love. And God's love won't be denied by sin or idolatry or any other way that we try to carve up this world. God's love will be characterized by both justice and mercy. And this church is true hope. That what God began in creation and continued in covenant that what was consummated by the cross and continues through the church is hope and light for the nations. Isaiah 42.4 says, he won't tire out and quit. He won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on earth. Far-flung ocean islands wait expectantly for his teaching. Because there is hope out on the horizon. There is no quit in God. There is hope for the people who are far from God. And there's hope for people like you and I, because God has a mission, and it can't, it won't be denied. So may we join in that work of bringing hope and justice, just like Isaiah preached and prophesied in his time.